One year, I kind of got an idea. You almost try trap. I like to trap. I like to make lure, and I like to write. Where can it go from here? I would be able to spend more time in the woods. I was losing money hand over fist trapping, but I didn't care. Getting the traps out there is the hardest part, I think, with them. I would leave the critters in the back of my truck in the high school parking lot. We're going to set traps, like, no matter what. Some of these guys have trapped these areas for generations. We got through the furball. Thank God. This is Northern Michigan. This is what you do. Representing trappers in a positive light. I'm going to ask you guys a question. Do you know everything? This will be fun. Trying to learn something from these legends. Ask questions without asking questions. Volumes of Purpose and Game magazine. There's structure from Perigo Gorman. Perg Lennon's articles, the Perg Lennon's ads. Information, trapping radios. We are trappers on ourselves. To me, that's pretty important. All right, everybody listening to me? Develop a system yet because work it ahead of time to build big trapping. If you got very bush of sand and dirt, you got bog they started talking about these big fans. Most of my tunes are coming from up top, not down top. Probably the best part of the country in the world. I don't know, get them better. Trying to set predator traps and trash waders. The back of that beaver looks like it gets sheared. You better edit this part out. Yeah, we better. Back in the fur shed, this is the Trapping Today podcast. I'm Jeremiah Wood. Great to be here. Great to have you here. The podcast is brought to you by Cots Brothers Lures. K-A-A-T-Z. ROS.com. Trap smarter, work harder, enjoy the success that follows. You find them at their website, cosbros.com, where you can get lures, baits, books, DVDs, everything you need to get started on the trap line. We're also brought to you by Fur Harvesters Auction, where the world comes to buy wild fur. Find them at furharvesters.com, where you can get shipping instructions pickup schedules, past auction results, and future auction dates. So thanks to Cots Bros and Fur Harvesters for sponsoring the podcast. Awesome uh, to have you guys along for the ride. All right, in tonight's episode, we are with Josh, from originally from New Zealand by way of Maine. Josh is a, uh, a trapper who listens to podcasts for a long time, and we've emailed back and forth. It's great to finally get a chance to talk with him. It, it's it always it's encouraging to me to hear from new trappers who've just gotten into it and hear their stories and how they've gotten into trapping because we all come from different backgrounds and have different uh, different stories of how we got into trapping. But this one's very interesting, where somebody that had absolutely no exposure to the trapping world in the past, who is now an active trapper who's getting into it and learning new things. And, it's just good stuff. So anyway, let's get into the interview with Josh. One episode last year, and I was sick. I was sick as a dog, and I didn't, you know, I, I didn't have any episodes up ahead of time, and I, I was like, I got I get Saturday night, I got to record the episode. And so I was sucking on cough drops so that I could keep talking without my voice going out on me. <laughs> and I got an email on Monday, a guy said, Boy, I just could not stand listening to you on the on the podcast. You must you sound like you were sucking on something. <laughs> so I guess sometimes you just can't win. <laughs> I guess some people are really yeah, a part of that the, the right audio, you know. The podcast, it's like the one thing you gotta succeed at. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, man, so you ready to get going? Yeah, dude. Whenever you're ready, let's do it. Awesome. Well, Josh, uh, podcast listener in Maine, but it doesn't sound like you're from Maine. No, I'm not from Maine. I'm from originally South Africa, and my accent that you can hear, I'm from New Zealand. So what the heck brought you here? Well, what drives most uh, warm-blooded males 10,000 miles. That's, uh, <laughs> you met an American girl. Yes, I did. In uh, in New Zealand, I met a girl from Maine, and she dragged me over to the frozen tundra, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. How are you liking it so far? Oh, I love it. It's uh, it's definitely a big change, but, um, yeah, the lifestyle here is, 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 I enjoy it, and there's obviously a ton to do outdoors, which, you know, I can take advantage of, so, yeah, I can't complain. I, yeah, the snow does drag on, just in time. <laughs> well, yeah, how many years have you been here? Uh, this is, uh, March will be 
going on four years. Okay, so yeah, you've you've been through a few winters, so you uh, you've experienced mm-hmm. it for sure. <laughs> yeah, I have. I've done my fair share of plowing and shoveling, so I so, know what it's like now. Just be thankful that uh, you don't. Li- I know generally where you live. Be thankful you don't live where I do, because the yeah, I, <laughs> the snow yeah, is about I, twice as much. I know when you uh, when you go over that county line, it definitely it's like another world up there. So. Yeah, you get away from the I coast, and it's the, none of the snow just doesn't melt. So uh, it it piles on and piles on. This year hasn't actually hasn't been too bad. We had a nice warm up there. And it knocked the snow down enough so you can still get around pretty good. But, yeah, definitely, yeah. Although, I will say, some days I would prefer the snow than the ice we get down here. Because, oh, like, yeah. the, the ice is just, it gets a pain. It just drags on. Yep. <laughs> so, what on earth got you interested in trapping? Oh, wow. Well, how far back do you want me to go? Yeah. <laughs> Go, did you were you exposed to any trapping in South Africa or New Zealand? Uh, so South Africa, New Zealand. I was obviously born in South Africa. I was obviously brought up around wildlife because it's just you know it, it's inundated with with wild animals and, and nature's like the number one thing there. But um, no, I wasn't brought up with hunting, or fishing, or tra- definitely not trapping. Um, and then I moved to New Zealand and got a little bit more um, acquainted with hunting, had a, a couple of buddies there that, that hunted, and that's where I really started getting, you know, um, to enjoy the outdoors and, and started really getting into fishing and hunting. Um, but still no trapping. I mean, I'd never even, I mean, I'd heard of this, you know, cult practice that people carried out, but I'd never really thought about it. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I moved to Maine, and... Got really big into hunting here, and actually, it was, it was a funny story. One uh, one day, I was working on the job site, and um, I was talking to this old time, and he was a, a big, big hunter in Maine. He'd been hunting and fishing here his whole life, and he, uh, we were talking about um, eating black bear. And I said, "I'm really, you know, I'm really curious to eat a bear. I'd love to see what it tastes like." And he said to me, "He said I've eaten pretty much everything in Maine." And he said, hands down, the best thing is beaver. So, obviously, being an immature male, I giggled and thought it was just a joke. And, <laughs> and uh, he said, no, seriously, uh, beaver's like, the meat is great. And I was like, okay, well, you know, I'm up for anything. I'm, I'm down to try it. So, um, we're home and, and checked the laws. And, of course, while well, in Maine, you're not allowed to hunt beaver. So uh, the only way you can get it is by trapping. So I, I locked that in the back of my mind, and I was, you know, thinking about it. Anyway, a couple weeks went by. So that by was kind of the first thing you, where you really got close to trapping. It was like, oh. That, that's man. right, yeah. I mean, I, I had no desire to, and I had no, no reason to incentive-wise. I mean, I was happy with hunting and fishing and just, you know, um, just being busy with that. Um, but I was like, okay, I really want to try this. You know, I'm up for doing, you know, everything at least once. And, you know, if it's so good, I, I'm down to give it a go. And um, so I recalled, obviously, I needed to, to get it trapping. And then a couple of weeks later, I was at, um, at like, a local gun show at, like, a town hall kind of thing mm-hmm. where people were selling their second-hand firearms and stuff like that. And there was a trapping association there. Uh, Union River Trappers Association were there. Okay. And um, they had like a little, you know, like a little stall set up where they were just, you know, getting people to be interested in the chapter and just getting their name out there. And uh, there was one fellow there. We were obviously super good friends now. His name's uh, Andrew McGonagall. He was there. And I said, hey, I um, I want to try eating a beaver. I uh do you think you can help me out? And he said, yeah, I, you know, he was predominantly a water trapper. So he said, you know, how about you, you come with me on the line and we'll, we'll see what happens. And he said, but you do have to get your trapper safety, which is, I'd obviously done hunter safety here. And, um, I didn't realize he needed a trapper safety. So long story short, there it was coincidentally a, a trapper safety course the very next week. Wow. You got so, very, uh, very lucky. <laughs> Yeah, I know because yeah, there's few and far between. Now, yeah, I tell you what, 
So um, it wasn't far from me anyway. Um, so obviously I signed up for that. But in the meantime, I kind of like apprenticed under him. So the next weekend, uh, I ended up bumping into him in town, and I said, "You know, were you serious about you know helping me get a beaver and you know you know seeing letting me see what it's all about?" And um, <clears throat> well, now I know being a trapper now that obviously if there's someone that's new to it and green to it, getting someone introduced to it is like our main goal, you know? Oh, absolutely. We, yeah. Uh, yeah, so of course he was all for it. So um, we went out to a slowage and um, we, set, uh, we set five conifers, right? This was like right on the brink of when it was starting to ice over. So it was still open water, still good trapping. And uh, we left it for a couple of days, came back, and um, it was actually hilarious because he was confident. He was like, we're going to get one, we're going to get one. The first, uh, the first three traps is nothing. <laughs> nothing at all. But he was starting to get disappointed. Then the fourth trap was a muskrat, and he was like, oh, you know, this is, this is bad. But sure enough, on the fifth trap, we had a beaver. Nice. So I, was, I was stoked. He was stoked. And, of course, it was, it was an awesome experience, you know, just having the waders on, walking through there and, and just seeing a whole whole nother, you know, pastime that I'd never even experienced before. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we, he showed me how to skin it out. We butchered it up and I ate it and it was good. It was really good. I even, uh, I cooked, I cooked it up with the missus and she ate it as well and she really liked it. And I thought, you know, this is obviously there's no like bag limit on beaver. So in Maine, you're only really allowed, you know, one deer for rifle season. So yeah. if you want to eat wild game, you know, right. it's not fun to keep you going all year. Exactly. And, you know, I'm really into, you know, taking, you know, making the most of, you know, renewable resources that we have around us. So I was like, you know, this is, this is good meat and it's like almost an endless supply. So <clears throat> I kind of researched trapping a little bit more because I knew this trap education was coming up. And that's when I really started to see how sensitive the uh, the subject of trapping actually is. So, I so back really... when you, where you grew up, were, were you exposed to like, you probably weren't exposed to that anti-trapping uh, movement that, that you've seen here? Definitely not in South Africa. South Africa, obviously you have, I mean, you have a huge population of animals and there's a massive population of predators so it's definitely something that i mean it's it's existed you know controlling predators and whatnot has existed for so long in new zealand um there's not really any natural predators so one of the things over there that people trap are um possum they're actually they're different possum to what you guys have here yeah they're like really furry eurasian possum and i actually knew a guy that that did trap them but it was it was not really something that was, yeah, you're right. There wasn't a large anti-trapping, anti-hunting. It was, it was just a, the, the, the opinions on, you know, outdoor activities in those other countries are much different to here. Yeah. Um, and that's really when, uh, when I tasted the beaver, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm up, you know, let's give this a go. And I thought, you know, I have to obviously learn a little bit more about it if I'm going to do this trapper ed. And I was, I was shocked, really, to see the two sides versus each other, you know, and, and strong arguments on both sides of um, really being exposed to people that are really against it and people that are, you know, trying to fight for it kind of thing. What were, the, what were some of the arguments against trapping that you heard? Well, I mean, it's all that all the listeners are going to roll their eyes with uh, with some of the stuff they'd heard, but you know, I heard it all. I, I saw it all of uh, you know animals chewing their feet off, and um, you know, pe- people thinking that certain traps are used, like uh, traps with with teeth, and um, you know, checking laws being like you can you can set traps on land, footholds, and just leave them for you know weeks at a time. The animals obviously are suffering. In these traps, they're uh, they're chewing their feet off. They're, you know, ending up being wounded and pets getting caught in them and whatnot. Pretty much all the horrific stories that 
actually no trapper really wants to even hear because um, none of us really enjoy seeing an animal suffer. Um, we actually feel the opposite way. But yeah, I didn't really, I didn't really see the uh, the amount of of anger and and opinion against it until I started looking into it. Then you're like, man, what am I getting into here? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'd obviously, at at this time, I'd been involved in hunting for for quite a few years, and I I knew, obviously, there is a fair amount of people that are against hunting, but when you talk trapping, it's just just tenfold, you know? It goes so much more. And um, so, yeah, I, I was... To be honest, that didn't put me off at all. It, it kind of made me, it made me question it more because I thought, you know, there's, there's a reason these, these two strong opinions exist. There's obviously got to be some truth in, in either statement. And the only way I'm going to find out is if I, if I find my, my own opinion, you know? Sure. If I research it and if I learn the laws and if I go out there and do it, I can, you know, develop my own opinion, which, Sadly, a lot of the people that are against trapping have no education with it whatsoever, and that's really the backbone of, of a lot of the arguments against um, or for anti-trapping. So um, when I read all of this information and I saw, um, you know, the aggression against it, it really motivated me to do the trapper safety. I was like, you know, I really want to see what the truth is behind this. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, and doing the trap of safety was, was the best thing I could have done because it, it really helped me to see how a lot of this, this information was, was false that the media was portraying. Um, and the trappers were just trying to, trying to go about keeping something that they cared about going, you know? Yep. Yeah, it's, it's been, uh, and, and being such a minority in the, in the general public, trappers it's it's often difficult to get the message out about what we do and how we do it. So nobody really knows what's going on. And, and if you don't hear anything otherwise, why wouldn't you believe what, what people are saying? Exactly, yeah. I mean, it's not the anti-trapping, the anti-trapping uh, majority. Well, they're not even a majority. It's not the anti-trapping population that, that's the most vulnerable. It's the ones that are neutral on the stand. That's the majority, yeah. and if if you're neutral on it, and you know you're not for or against trapping, well, obviously, if you see some animal suffering in a trap and read some false lie about it, I mean, every human being has a innate, you know, care for a living creature. Which way are you going to be swayed? Right. So it, it, it's it's sad to see um, that that's the way it goes, but. It really opened my eyes to, to you know how much, how many regulations and how much scrutiny is actually placed on, not only hunting in the United States but trapping regulations are, they have been put to, to be a test in every regard. Yeah, you. Know, you I, like, I, I have to give you some credit for being the first state you ever trap in, being Maine, and doing it now because our regulations are. <laughs> are incredible. Um, it is a challenge to, you know, it takes that course and then some studying and, and, uh, reading up on it to really fully understand the regulations. Oh yeah. You don't need to, let's not talk about that. (laughs) But uh, some of the laws, yeah. But, but, but they're there for a reason, you know, they're there because there's been so many attacks on trapping and, And those, a lot of those are results of compromises that have been made in order to keep some semblance of trapping in the state. Yeah, and, and it's not only compromise. A lot of the laws have actually been made with scientific biological backing. You know, it's not, it's not someone just trying to appease the opposite side. We actually have, in every other state, actually has a fur bearer biologist that, that scrutinizes every law that gets made. So there's a reason that these uh, these DNR officials or these game wardens, you know, support these laws um, because they've obviously been scrutinized in a scientific way rather than just uh, an emotional way, which is really what fuels the anti side of it. Right, um, and and 
in addition to that, though, there's cases like, why do we have a 24-hour check on foothold traps? Um, it's not really a biological question, um, having a 24-hour check versus a 48-hour check or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. different states have different check laws. Um, but the main reason there is because if you let an animal go for two days in a trap, chances are, you know, I'm checking my coyote traps every morning in the dark before hunters get out on the roads, right? And before mm-hmm. the public is around. And if you, if you don't get those traps checked uh, in this state, there's so many eyeballs around that someone's going to see an animal and they're going to, um, there's just, there's all the potential for conflict of someone seeing an animal and thinking that animal is suffering because it's in a, it's, mm-hmm. it's caught and, and it gets emotional and it gets in the news even though the animal's just sitting there and there's nothing wrong with it, um, it's it's really it's not worth it. Um, at least people have deemed that it's not worth mm. um, taking that risk of of losing uh, our ability to trap in a lot of cases um, because of because of that public scrutiny. Yeah, you're you're right. You know, because yeah because like like i said earlier if you if you have a neutral stance on it if you don't have the education you know at face value you can get a very bad image you know seeing something that you, you don't know what's going on yeah um, so and then, and then of course you have the the political side of things where uh we have an endangered species canada links and you've probably heard in the trapping course and gone through all that stuff on on the background of the links but a lot of the regulations are to avoid taking links, um, even though in certain areas of the state they're quite common um, mm. because of the because of the federal listing under the Endangered Species Act. Even taking one is against the law. Mm. Mm. So so the the those regulations got even more complex uh, to prevent the taking of even one animal. Um, yeah. And it, 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 it wasn't even for just the taking; it was even the injuring of these these protected species. So I can I totally see how the uh, the laws were written. Because I mean, here yeah, these you know links exclusion devices and the laws around it. I mean, especially up your way, you have you have slightly different laws towards you know lower in the state, but it definitely restricts a lot of traditional methods that a lot of people trap with for sure. Yeah, and you've probably you probably heard it from the old timers. You know, young guys just getting started, and guys like me, I started under the old regulations, but I'm still flexible enough that I'm I'm willing to change. But a lot of the guys that were, say, my father's generation, when those laws changed up here, they stopped trapping. They just there there was just so it became so much more complex. They just weren't willing to deal with the regulations. Yeah, I, I. I completely agree with what you're saying there because just coming into it now with these new regulations and just even for me being a new trapper and even though it's been, you know, three years doing this, you know, looking at it all, I think to myself like, man, there's, you really got to pay attention otherwise you're breaking a law without even knowing it. Yeah, you so, got to be on your game for sure. Yep. Oh, for, for sure. I mean, and, and you can tell, I, I, I don't deny it that if, if, you know, I was doing this for years and years and it seems like every year something slightly gets changed. Yeah, if I was an old time, I'd say, you know what, there, there is no incentive to do this anymore. I mean, I enjoy doing this, but it's kind of, you know, it, it's making me it, it's making me lose the passion that I had. Obviously, there's, there's some old timers that are out there because they, you know, they die hard trappers. But yeah, I nothing's going to stop those guys. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. But I can totally see how it made some people respond to some of these laws. But yeah. you're right. I mean, we we need to show that we're we're trying our hardest to, to you know protect these you know endangered and protected species, and and that we're making every attempt to to show that as trappers. Yeah. So we've got really we we have, I think, three major. Uh, parts of our regulations that we we all have to learn and get good at and make sure that we abide by is number one the biological because uh back when most of these regulations when they were put in place they were strictly uh, had a biological basis 
the seasons, uh, the bag limits. Um, those, those, a lot of them were put in place back when there were a lot more trappers around and there was much more harvest. So like, mm. you know, today there's, it's almost unlimited number of beavers in, in the state uh, where we trap. And so it's, you know, you think back and you think, man, why would you even need a regulation on beaver season or anything? Uh, but there were times when that was necessary for sure. Mm. Um, so you've got the biological and then you've got the social. So you have, you know, making sure that trappers are, are, um, I don't, I don't want to, I hate to use the word ethical because there's a lot that goes on when you start talking ethics, but, but making sure that trappers are all kind of abiding by a certain standard that is a, a common practice that's considered ethical and humane. And then you have, we should, we should, uh, we should talk about that more. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Cause I agree coming from, from, you know, not being a trapper, I think that's the, the, biggest thing is the whole what what we and what the, what the states and DNR view is ethical and, and you know what is naturally ethical is not what you know people that would not have anything to do with hunting or trapping view as ethical you know and I think that's important for us trappers that we even though we might be doing the, ethic, the ethical thing is that we still, we still paint the picture that we're respecting well, we're still painting an image that is is good in the eyes of someone that doesn't have an opinion on the the activity. If you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, and it's difficult when you get into regulations because when you set a regulation, it's a specific thing that somebody needs to abide by, and it doesn't necessarily mean that not following it. You know that that regulation is is right on the ethical line. Because, you know, everybody's a little bit different. Um, however, it seems like anytime you have any activity that that's regulated or unregulated, you're going to have bad actors. Oh, yeah. And so you, you or I might be checking our traps on a regular basis, um, making sure that an animal's not in a trap for a certain amount of time, or we're using killer traps or whatever. Um, but guy down the street might if there's no regulation he may not check his traps for a month right mm. so mm. so that's where you get into um what is what is the ethical check time for instance mm. well i don't know what it is but um this is what the law is and this is the reason for it yeah no i mean i understand it and, and my point being you know i Coming from the outside, you know, I was I was never against trapping, but I was I was the the majority that was uneducated, that was easily manipulated into choosing a side. Right, and like probably and we, the eighty percent of the population, probably. Exactly, and I mean, a lot of the times, my point being, and this is this is what I'm trying to express is a lot of the times us trappers. We are defending what we what we cherish and, and we believe in, but we're almost fighting the antis, and, and that's that's not the solution because the antis are never going to change. They they have their opinion and it is strong, and it is based either on emotion or some other false narrative. But it is so strong that you know it, it's almost like we have to watch out for the the silent majority that the majority that doesn't have an opinion. Those are the ones that we, you know, that we're concerned about because if you don't have an opinion on trapping, hunting, fishing, anything, and you just so easily swayed, you know, right. and and I feel I feel like it's so important for us to portray ourselves and for for trapping to be portrayed in a way that that majority that doesn't have an opinion they can't be easily you know persuaded into what the antis think is. Is, is truth. Um, I think that's the most important part that, you know, we, we spend a lot of time defending, but fighting the antis. And, uh, at the same time, we might be doing more damage with the people that, that don't have an opinion yet. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's an ex excellent, excellent point. Um, and you've, you've seen it firsthand. So, uh, one of the things that I've 
encourage people to do, and, and I do myself now, more, way more than I ever did before, is just bring up trapping in general to people in everyday conversation. You know, um, mm-hmm. if, if there's an occasion to talk about it, I will mention it. You know, I'm a trapper. I, I trap fur. I harvest animals. And um, be, the reason that I am convinced that that's a good thing to do is because I, I really firmly believe that if people actually were exposed to trapping, those 80% or whatever that don't don't have, like you said, they're, they're easily swayed either direction. I think if they were to go out on a trap line for a week with somebody and set traps and catch animals and go through all that, I think the vast, vast majority of them would come out of that in, in favor of trapping. I could, I couldn't agree more, Jeremiah. Yeah, I could not agree more. And that's, and, 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 you know, most people would react like that because they would see how this is, I mean, they would see the reality, what I saw. You know, there's so many laws that exist, and if you do obey the laws and you do, you know, follow these these management, these best practices, some of these these lies, these horror stories, you know, never even happen, never even come close to happening. Um, It's just just that minute point of a percentage that's really tainted the whole activity, but... I mean, we live in a day and age, and social media is great, but it's poison at the same time where, you know, something like that can just be turned against any activity in a heartbeat overnight, you know. Um, I mean, you see, no doubt you saw the uh, the video of those two kids in Pennsylvania with the deer and yeah, things like that. I mean, you can see how, you know, one video, you know, put up online almost gets, you know, pasted as that's the image of hunters all over the states. When it's not, it's just this silent, it's this minute percentage that aren't obeying the laws, that aren't showing respect for, for what we believe in, you know. Right, absolutely. So so the course, you took the trapping course, and mm-hmm. and you did your own research in addition to that. Was that a pretty good experience for you? Oh, uh, yeah, it was totally good. I I was shocked at the amount of regulations that you needed to abide by, but it was it was really reassuring at the same time. You know that these uh, these laws were based on not only trying to keep these, these animals, you know, protected in a way that's you know parentheses ethical, but um, that there's a lot of scrutiny based on it. I mean, it was it was really interesting to see. You know how how far the activities come. I mean, it's well, it's probably the oldest oldest profession, Western profession in uh, in the United States, right? I believe it's it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Cause, so there's there's literally been hundreds of years for um for trapping to adapt and change, and um, it's really been the backbone of of the the Western society that we know today. So it was it was awesome to see that side of it. And then once I got out in the uh, in the woods and, and started trapping, that was just it opened my eyes to a completely different world, you know. Yeah. So tell us about your first season. My first season. So I uh, decided to go buy uh, a bunch of conner bears and decided to uh, to go out. And um, I had uh, an old fella. He was a, a family friend and he had um he had a bunch of land down here and he obviously had some some beaver on his land that he had a problem with because there's no one trapping beaver down here anymore so i was i was keen to to give it a go and obviously i you know watched videos on youtube and you know spoke to to people in the in the chapter give me advice my friend andrew and yeah, I caught my first beaver by myself, and uh, it was right in a, a stream, actually. And yeah, I was hooked from that point on. It was awesome coming down to check it. It was a <laughs> not a big beaver, just a medium size. Um, but he was really he he had like a really bright red coat. I remember that, yeah. and uh, I was stoked. It was like uh, it was like the first time you shoot a deer, kind of thing. You know, it's something that sticks with you. Right, and. Um, yeah, I, I scut him out and, you know, um, absolutely demolished his pelt trying to flesh him. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, that, that's part of 
it, you know, and I, I really did feel, I felt, you know, that, I mean, I felt good that it was, I used the corner band or something that was quick and, and painless, but it was, uh, it was, it was something that I had never experienced before and, um, used the meat and it was just an all around good experience. So I started running a, a little line and when I mean a little line, I mean like a handful of tracks and, um, yeah, I think it's, it's a, a lot of the areas, I mean, I'm talking water trapping cause I'm, I'm predominantly like a water trapper and just this year I've started doing land traps and that's a whole nother ball game. As yeah, you know. you, I think you were wise to just start with water trapping. Oh, uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> After trying to catch these freaking fisher and coyotes, I'm like, man, dude, good thing I started with beaver because I would have been uh, not too um, too happy with my uh, my catch statistics if I started with land-based animals. Yeah. But, um, yeah, in saying that, I, I said a few lines and... Um, and yet, kept on catching beaver consistently, actually, in muskrat. And um, it was it was always an, a joy to go out and check the line. And it was always strangely, you know, falling through the ice and nearly drowning was, was <laughs> some, somewhat a peaceful experience. But it's definitely challenging. But it's, it's almost, um, yeah, I, I, I don't really don't want to get all emotional with it but it, it is it is like a it's like a spiritual kind of uh it's an important part of um you know like the hunter and gatherer and all of us you know absolutely and yeah i i actually you know you now get listen to you talk about it i i kind of feel bad for people who haven't been able to experience the the harvesting of of animals yeah i mean it it opened my eyes to i mean what I know now, I didn't even know anything about beaver or muskrats or these incredible creatures that I thought were just, you know. So, so now I feel sorry. I cut you off. Go ahead. Oh no, I, um, I, I, I like you know. It was interesting how you said uh, in in email earlier, like you know, we don't we don't enjoy killing animals. We don't enjoy them suffering. Um, but at the same time, there, there's, I feel like there's a connection there that you make when you harvest your own food and when you harvest fur and you take a fur bear and make use of it and there's just this whole, we're involved in this huge complex thing that is the, uh, the entire ecosystem out there with, the, with all the different animals and, and like when you become part of that, you see everything from a totally different perspective. And, and like you mentioned, you start learning more about their habitats and, and how to catch these creatures. And, and, and you're also at the same time, you're playing a part in, in helping to conserve them, um, Mm. by managing populations and preventing overpopulation and disease. So it's, it's just a, it's this huge world that, people don't really get exposed to. Yeah, dude, yeah. Couldn't agree more. I mean, when you see every side of it, it's, it's not just running the line and catching the animal, you know. It's like uh, the first time you, I remember the first time I, you know, fleshed and boarded up a beaver and you see it all stretched out and you see it drying there and curing and you think, man, I, you know, I, I can almost, I can make a garment for my family and I can use this, the fleshings and I can use the caster and you know, the, the, the teeth can be made into jewelry or whatever you want. And you think, man, this, this resource has, has so many valuable benefits that before you, you wouldn't even, even thought, you know, caster, what, what caster? <laughs> or the fact that like the, 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 the first time I learned that a beaver has like, just a vent and nothing else. It's just got one little fun hole and everything happens with the fun <laughs> hole. I'm like, what? It's <laughs> my mind, you know, but, but like you're, you're true. And you're right in saying that if you'd never been exposed to it, you wouldn't have even known any of that. So trapping, yeah, for sure, opens your mind to, I mean, these are obviously the populations that are at the moment pretty much out of control, but every animal, whether it's, you know, whether you're catching an, an ermine or all the way up to trapping wolves, you know, these animals, 
they deserve the respect and they're beautiful creatures in their own way. And they have, you know, different, different strengths, different weaknesses. And to be able to see that and, and, you know, experience it firsthand, it, it is, you know, it is like a, like a spiritual connection. That's, and it, it's not easy all the time. I mean, I remember the first time I was skinning out a beaver and, you know, cut the oil stack and start sitting there gagging as I'm trying to cut it open. <laughs> It's, it's not pretty, but at the same time, you you understand that this work reaps, you know, a reward and, and a respect for the animal that they have. Yeah, a wonderful. Nothing, resource. nothing that's worth anything comes easy. For sure. Yeah. So I, th- I think definitely that the bee and beaver is one of the hardest animals. I mean, hard. There, your catch percentage is going to be pretty high per trap, but. You have to go into wet areas. Um, this time of year, you're chopping through a bunch of ice, uh, and then you got to haul that guy out of there. And you've got to—it's the hardest. It's the most time-consuming to skin, to flesh. Uh, I mean, everything about beaver is work. I'll say though, after doing, after doing a big order. Dude, I'd take a beaver any day. Oh my goodness, man! That was that a nice. Thing? That was a nice otter. That went, that picture you sent me. Yeah, yeah, I boarded him off a couple of days ago, and he came out to uh, sixty-three and a half inches. Jeez, nice. So, uh, and it was the first otter I've ever got, dude. It was the first one. <laughs> so I, I was so stoked about it, and I showed my trapper buddy, and he's like, "Yeah." Probably not the best one to get in your first. I was like, what? He's like, because you'll never try and like that again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, but yeah, those things are super difficult to skin and flesh. Like the tail? Oh, oh man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the tail is a job. <laughs> For sure, yeah. And they uh, they have a unique, let's say they have a very unique smell to them. Yeah, you uh, cut into the scent glands? I didn't know, <laughs> thankfully, but even just look, even just the body itself, I'm like, because I mean, my my friend Andrew, he he laughs every time I bring it up, but I'm good with you know a porch deer, I'm fine with it, but there's something about the beaver oil sacks, dude. If I cut those, see you later. I can't, <laughs> I can't take it. I'm just rolling on the floor, gagging, and I obviously have to make my way through it because I'm not going to give up on skinning them, but. Oh, I'm a wimp when it comes to them oil sacks that pay off. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! So you've so so um, how many years you've been doing this? Would you say? For, so this is my third year. This, this is your third, third year, year. And, you, and so you're mainly focused on beaver. You've caught some otter and muskrats too. Uh huh. Yeah. So I uh, yeah mainly focused on on water trapping, and uh, and this year um, a couple people asked me. Um, if I could help with obviously the coyote population on their uh, on their land, so I got um, I bought a handful of MB 550s and uh, some some coyote specials, and I started doing some land trapping. And I also started doing um, Martin and Fisher. The uh, I actually watched a couple of your videos and saw your line running in boxes, and yep. I was like, ah, oh, I should actually get after it as well. And, um, so I made a whole bunch of boxes and nice. got some 160s and some 120s and, and started doing a bit of a Fisher and, and Martin line, um, down here. So awesome. Have you got any yet? No, <laughs> it's been, uh, it's been difficult. I tell you what, it's, it has been challenging for a lot of the time. We, I mean, we didn't have snow down here for a long time. Yeah. Um, like, like we said earlier, like you have a little bit of a microclimate up there where you guys just get inundated with it. But, um, no, I haven't had success on the land yet at all, which you know, I'm kind of disappointed to say, but the season's not over. I, uh, yep. I had a, a, another guy today ask me, you know, to trap some coyotes in his land and went and checked out and there was a ton of signs. So I set a handful of traps on his land and, uh, I guess we'll check in the morning and see uh, if, <laughs> nice. uh, if there's anything there. But I did, uh, I did a few uh, pipe dream sets, so I'm kind of excited. To, uh, so are, uh, are you chopping through frozen ground? Yeah, it was um, a couple of them were actually pretty frozen, yeah. So, yeah, yeah but I, I wish I had started earlier, you know, like in the 
Oh yeah, you, it's it's also, like night it's like night and day. You're gonna next year you're gonna you're gonna do well starting in October. It's it's kind of like I mean yeah, it's a totally different animal because you you can set you can set so much quicker. Yeah, I bet, dude, because it's it's hard going, and I mean I I I haven't caught one yet, so it, it's a lot of guesswork at the same time. You think I mean these are not dumb creatures. I mean, they are, coyotes got to be one of the hardest animals to catch because yeah. they outthink you on it. They're so, what's the word? They're so, um, they're so suspicious of right. something different, you know? <laughs> yeah. And the way that if, if something's off, they're not dumb. They, they know better. And I mean, it's not like catching a cat. I haven't actually done any bobcat sets, but it seems like a, you know, a cat's a cat. You have something shiny or moving around it's gonna curiosity is gonna get them caught you know but yeah um trying to catch these coyotes they're uh, they're definitely uh it, it obviously as i'm learning it takes a lot of failure before you succeed in it for sure yeah yeah but you'll you'll figure it out i'd say next year maybe a couple weeks before the season i would go and make a bunch of mock sets and maybe throw a little bait in and just see what see what the animals do you know see if they get visited see if the bait gets taken and, and uh, check, check for tracks in your trap pattern area and uh and when when the season comes you'll be rolling and you'll 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 have all your places where you want to set and where the animals have been hitting your your baits and stuff and and uh, it'll be it'll be much easier than just setting out cold you know just starting out uh like for instance um if you today's the the 26th we got till the 31st uh for trapping mm-hmm. season and if you if you went out today and you made some sets on some really fresh sign those coyotes may be running like a seven day circuit and they may not be back even back into that area until the end after the end of the season well thank you jeremiah it's very encouraging <laughs> or they could be back tomorrow morning <laughs> <laughs> but I've, I've just tried to tell you not to get discouraged um if if you no, don't catch I, anything no i this this game there's no room for discouragement yeah yeah if you're not if you're not catching animals and getting discouraged by that you're getting discouraged by ripping your waders and freezing your balls off anyway so <laughs> yeah I, uh, it's it's definitely but it's it's that's the thing i i feel like with with trapping it's like the other night i'm i'm not a soppy person i sound like i'm being very soppy but the other night you know i i set a whole long beaver line and you know i was out there when the sun went down and it was just a beautiful sunset and i thought to myself you know if i wasn't if i didn't get taught how to do this or if i hadn't been shown trapping i would not be here i'd be sitting inside missing this you know right and it's just those environments i mean there's no reason to walk into a bar <laughs> No, no, I mean, no one gonna, would go there. No, there's no yeah, reason. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're not going to go into the middle of this frozen bog um, looking for sign, but it it really opens your eyes to just a whole other world because you're looking for sign. You see, you see mink prints, and you you see you know deer rubs because I mean, obviously they're all bedding in those boggy areas, and you're like, man, this is a whole other environment that I had no intention to go into, but now that I'm trapping, it, it's another another side of, of beautiful nature that you get to experience, you know? So it's always rewarding going out and no doubt everyone feels that way. Catch or no catch. Yeah. The, the end of the day is always nice. One of my favorite things is, is being on a beaver flowage and you're out there chipping ice, you, you know, putting in sets and whatever. And some days you just stop and there is absolutely zero sound. Oh, dude, yeah, silence. No one's out there. It's incredible. It's incredible. It, it just just listen to that silence for a minute or two. It it's uh, it's worth the whole experience. Just the, just doing that. Yeah, for sure, dude. Yeah, get away from it alone. Get out there. It's definitely peaceful. So, um, th- we as as trappers deal with declining numbers of people. Um, mm-hmm. we, we deal with. Uh, not not a whole lot of recruitment of new trappers uh, necessarily. We have a very low fur market. Um, what are your thoughts in terms of promoting 
promoting trapping and promoting wild fur uh, from someone who who's just gotten into it? I mean, yeah, obviously the fur market. I I never experienced a, a good fur market, so I guess it's always up and up from here for me because uh, I came into it at its lowest. But um, I mean, these resources. It's not only the fur, you know. I mean, casters work quite a lot of money in the scheme of things. Um, so, so with beaver in particular, there's still something valuable in that way. Um, you know, there's a lot you can do with with the skulls. You know, they're beautiful creatures. There's, there's a lot you can do with the meat um, on catches. You're also performing a service for. I mean, with declining numbers of, of trappers and increasing numbers of predators. I mean, especially out in the western states, you know, ranchers and farmers are, are having a difficult time, you know, looking after their livestock and whatnot. So it might not be only only the fur, but in terms of, uh, you know, of, of looking after the habitat and, and healthy population, um, it's important for sure. But in terms of if you're asking what, like, we as trappers can do to to encourage more people? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I really think we we just have to be careful about our image for sure because we can come across, um, and I mean, I've been guilty of this as well, when, when, we, when we see those lies and we hear about them statements of, you know, animals chewing their feet or, or using traps that are clearly illegal, you know, we can get very defensive and we can get aggressive and defend what we care about. And it's, it's okay to feel, you know, frustrated that that's the way to go about it. But oftentimes, you know, to respond in an aggressive way, like I said before, it doesn't change the anti's mind. But someone on the outside looking in from a neutral standpoint, they're easily influenced on yes. that. So, I mean, I've seen on, on social media, you know, anti's will say things that clearly trigger us trappers and clearly keep spreading the lies and rather than just responding in a way you know that it that is neutral or peaceful you know we respond by maybe posting a picture of an animal and trap to rub it in their face or whatnot and i get we get frustrated but you know from a, a person on the outside looking at this conversation if you had nothing to do with trapping and you see this you hear this argument about these horrific inhumane stories and you see this aggressive trapper responding by posting a picture or making a statement about them being a, you know, a dumb liberal or blah blah blah. Which side are you going to pick? I mean, right. trapping, trapping, trapping doesn't mean anything to you, so of course you're going to take the anti side. I mean, you do, you don't care if trapping's outlawed; it doesn't mean anything to you. Right, and everybody so, cares about animals. Exactly. So it it, it hits it hits the nerve, and everyone inner being, you know, everyone's heart hits a nerve when they see some, you know, Labrador caught in a trap. And if it's responded by some, you know, quote, redneck trapper saying, you know, deal with it, you blah, 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 you know, it's just, you got to remember, we just, trapping, it exists for a reason. Obviously, it's got great benefits, but like I said before, we're not, it's not about you know, fighting the antis. It's about helping people to see, like me, when I when I had no opinion on, on it at all, it's about helping us to see what the actual truth behind it is. And I think education is the biggest area. So like you said, if, if you can, in, in the most generic, non-pro or anti way, bring up trapping, like just a way of life, you know, and its benefits, talk about it in a way that's welcoming to all, not like, you know, like you have this big ego about you being this, you know, the star trapper that enjoys going out. I mean, we're, I mean, at the end of the day, we're all, we all got taught by someone. At the end of the day, we started knowing nothing, right? Right. And, um, and if we, if we have that humble point of view and just respect the fact that some people, you know, like for example, we spoke about ethics before. I mean, ethically, you could dispatch a coyote with, a 22, right? 22 to the head or to the heart and lungs. But legally, you can also hit it in the face with a hammer and suffocate it, right? Legally, that, that doesn't break any laws. But, but if we were to put that image out and someone was neutral on the standpoint, 
how is that going to show us off? So, so my point being is, it may be ethical, it may be legal, but is that the image you want to be portraying? Yeah. And and do you, do you want to be taking joy in putting that out on social media right. and rubbing it in people's faces? My point being, again, we're not going to change the empire. They have so much. They have so much money. They have so much power behind them. Nothing's going to change their opinion. But it's the people that are moldable that we 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 need to worry about. You know, we need to. Yeah, I mean, it might be the legal way to, to dispatch an animal, but if you've got nothing to do with trapping, if trapping doesn't mean anything to you and you see that, how are you going to think about it? And, I mean, we don't want that. We don't want that as trappers, even if it's something that is legal and, and considered ethical, it might not be the best image to portray, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I, absolutely. I think that can be summed up something that I've I've said before is be aware of... of um, yourself and how people perceive you um, as a mm. trapper and and always just just because something looks a certain way to you you know look at something you're posting up on social media and just consider you know I'm not saying that you know you can't put anything up there because somebody might not like it but just just give things a look from someone else's perspective and think what would people think about this before you go out and and put something out there yeah i mean and yeah, and take pride in it. I, I'm all for, you know, taking pride in, in trapping, hunting, fishing, all of it. You know, protect your heritage, you know, look after it, enjoy it. But at the same time, remember that not everyone has the same opinion. And we as trappers do need to respect that. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. 100%. We, we need to respect that. You know, trapping is not for everyone. But at the same time, if you don't have an opinion on it, we need to help them to see that, hey, you know, if I did give it a go, if I did try it out, maybe my opinion would not be would be changed. Not think, you know, in the blink of an eye, like, oh, that is disgusting. I'm repelled from that. So, right. right. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and it's, uh, you know, so-and-so might never go trapping, but they're going to go to the ballot box every year to vote on things. Exactly. And when trapping shows yeah. up on the ballot box, then... You know, how are they going to vote based on what they've experienced? Do they know a trapper? Have they seen one? What's their general opinion? What's do they support or oppose it? You know, that those are things that we can influence and and you're not going to change it overnight. But but slowly over time, I think if we're all aware of it, I think we can we can make a few positive strides in in the right direction. Yeah, definitely. I mean, all the trappers I've met have been, you know, stand up great people. They haven't been. You know, these these killer-loving scumbags that, you know, we're sadly painted out to be. But, I mean, there's a reason. For example, every hunter safety that anyone's ever gone to, one of the things that gets brought up is when you're going to go tag your deer, you don't walk into the store covered in a bloody shirt or having blood all up your arm, doing it as some, you know, macho right. thing. I mean, yeah, it might, be, it might be acceptable, but, I mean, like, at the end of the day, there's someone on the outside looking in, that that just it, it leaves an image that lasts that that's much stronger than what we can ever say as trappers. So we gotta we gotta remember, and especially with the birth of social media, I mean, stuff as soon as it's out there, it stays there, yeah. and uh, it gets spread in the heartbeat and it gets remembered. You know, some of these images that people spread, they're never gonna be forgotten ever. So I mean. I try not to get involved in the uh, political side of it at all, but but like you said, you know, if you if you've got nothing to do with trapping, if you've got nothing to gain or nothing to lose, heck, heck, I'd make a law that'd make Labradors around the world safer. I mean, you know, I would I would I would vote for a law that would you know protect pets or, or whatever they're pushing, if you know what I mean. Right. If I got nothing invested in the game. Yeah. 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 Well, Josh. Hey, this was an awesome conversation. I really appreciate it. Oh, I, I really appreciate you uh, having me on. I'm a big fan, and obviously uh, I, uh, I support uh, everyone that's out there grinding in the snow and <laughs> working hard for something that they uh, enjoy thoroughly. Yeah. Hey, your story your story is pretty amazing. I, I hope there's other people out there like you that, that are getting into trapping. Um, we need more people like that. Uh, that just think man i'd I'd really i really got to look into this this is this is interesting 
and uh, and get into trapping um, and and continue to uh, to go out there and and uh, represent trappers in a positive way. Yeah, if, if anyone ever experiences, you know, ever expresses some sort of interest or has a question or something, all I can say is, is don't hesitate to invite them. You know, because that's what happened with me. I uh, wanted to try the meat, and now today I've my I'm busy harvesting and drying out fur and you know selling it and tanning it. It's just a whole other world that's that's opened up. So and it was just one invitation. So that's all I can say to other trappers. If someone you know just just seems like they have some sort of interest, we need to uh, we need to cultivate that. We need to take advantage of it. Absolutely. Awesome. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed that interview with Josh. We dug pretty deep, got into some stuff that I think every once in a while it's good to talk about uh, in the trapping world. And I'm, I'm uh, glad I got a chance to get into it with Josh. We're going to talk about some of that sort of uh, the ethics around trapping and, and different scenarios and stuff in the future. So stay tuned for that. There's just a, a lot to explore there. But yeah, Glad, uh, glad we had the chance to do that and going to be interviewing a few other trappers here coming up, so looking forward to that. Check out my book, Fur Profit, A Trapper's Guide to the Modern Fur Market. You can find that on Amazon, trappingtoday.com, or any trapping supply company, or most trapping supply companies, and also the uh, Trapping Today Long Distance Call Lure. Find that at trappingtoday.com. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next episode.